Season's going to end on a double doink, 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 doink. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know. It's the TC Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know an idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea, and then uh... prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why it's funny? It wasn't. It wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not funny. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me? Yeah, I don't know that idea. That's the result you won't get. It's the doctor, TC Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. a Tuesday afternoon, our favorite day of the week, right? Of course! Why? Because it's Terrible Tuesday, and it just gives me a reason to vent. Do I really need a reason to vent? You should just make every day terrible. (laughs) We like to vent, we like to rant. No, 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 we're versatile, because we don't always vent and rant, only if it's needed. But yes, everyone's favorite segment, Terrible Tuesday, coming your way this hour... And a great guest list on tap here today as well. Ken Korak will join us. Ken Korak, the longtime voice of the Oakland Athletics, former voice of UNLV back in the day. And uh, Ken Korak will be, even though he lives here in Vegas slash Henderson, he'll have a lot shorter commute to broadcast A's game very, very soon, right? So yes, Ken Korak will join us. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to him as he is a nominee for the Ford Frick Award. That is for excellence in Major League Baseball broadcasting. So he is a nominee along with Joe Buck, Dan Schulman, and so many other longtime voices. And uh, that announcement will be coming on December the 6th. And the winner will uh, be honored at the... Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown coming up in July. So Ken Korak will join us today. We'll talk to him regarding that, the A's, and a whole lot more. Always fun when Ken joins us. Arash Makazi will join us as well, too, from the Sporting Tribune, formerly of ESPN and the LA Times. Always fun with Arash. And Arash was here in Las Vegas while I was in Sacktown escaping the F1 madness. Arash was here. Our on-the-spot reporter. For Formula One, the Las Vegas Grand Prix, Arash Bakazi. So we will talk to him today and get his thoughts regarding that. Plus, the Raiders. He covers the Raiders, so we'll see him here on Sunday as the Raiders take on the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll look forward to that game. And especially considering the Chiefs will be in an angry mood after they blew the game last night to the Philadelphia Eagles, blowing a 10-point lead. They give up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Eagles win, and the Chiefs do not score in the fourth quarter. Eagles, fly, Eagles, fly, now improved to 10-1, best record in the NFL. And the Chiefs had the collapse last night, not winning that game. And what does that mean for the Raiders? What does that mean when the Chiefs come calling and we know that the place is going to be packed full of red and white, plenty of Chiefs fans, and uh, the Chiefs a nine-and-a-half-point favorite in that game coming up on Sunday. All right, so we'll talk a lot about that. Uh, schedule update for you. Remember, happy Thanksgiving to everyone coming up on Thursday. Uh, we will have the day off as I don't know what Numbchuck will be doing 
if Nubchuck is telling me that he's going to be working here, I, I'm that's it. Then that's it. You you cannot be working. You need a day off. Tell me that you actually have Thanksgiving day off. I am going to be stuffing my face with stuffing. With stuffing in cranberry sauce or no, juice no or cranberry things sauce. or whatever they call that. No wiggle jiggle. Yeah, the jiggle. Yeah, no, 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 no. What are you stuffing? Stuffing. You're stuffing with a stuffing? Stuffing pizza. Or not pizza. I was going to say pizza. Yeah. a boy. Yeah. Hey, welcome to my world, Yost. Is, is Slice open on Thursday? I don't know. We, we can ask Scooter. I mean, uh, it's Frosty on that one. Yeah. I don't know. We'll get some Slice on, on Sunday. For the Raiders indoor tailgate party, we have passes to give away for that. All right. If you want to go enjoy the game, remember, one twenty-five p.m. start. All you can eat. All you could drink. Slice of Vegas. Sunday, starting at 10 a.m. It'll be a potty like it is at every Raider home game. All you can eat, the buffet. Oh, yeah, the pizza, the wings, the chicken tenders, the sliders, the taco bar, the nacho bar, slice of Vegas. Whose song? See how you get me going on the food? I know. Yeah. Mm. Maybe I'll just starve myself on Thanksgiving Day. Just wait until Sunday at slice of Vegas. Raider in You know you can't do that, right? I can't. Yeah, I still haven't. Everyone's. I'm trying to figure out if you've ever gone 12 hours without eating. 12? 12. Oh, impossible. Forget that. No. No, I'm a creature of habit. Every five to six hours. There it is. Except when I'm sleeping at night. Have a nice chocolate milkshake right before I go to bed. I was going to say, you could just like sleepwalk, go downstairs, grab a bowl of cereal, eat it. You know, you could do all that, not realize it. I could do that. You could do all that, not realize it. I could do that. Could do that. I'm not a middle of the night type of cereal guy. Really not, I'm not a middle of the night type of eater. Isn't that weird? Are a lot of people that way? I don't know. You don't know? Well, you, bring, you bring it up. I'm a middle of the night water guy. Maybe, maybe, maybe give it, me too. Give me some water, some nice bottled water. Give me that. But no, once I brush the teeth, nothing, nothing's going down the pipes. Nothing. No food, no drink, no sugar beverage. Nope. All out the window. Nope. Maybe just some H2O. Some good water. That's it. All right. So, yeah, we got all of that on tap today. You can chime in as well, too, if you'd like, uh, via the text line, via the phone, 702-221-7283. And, of course, we start in our favorite day of the week. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. The Pittsburgh Steelers made a coaching change today. No, Mike Tomlin is still there. He's still the longest tenured NFL football coach. He is there. But Mike Tomlin's starting to feel a little bit of heat because the Steelers are not playing good football at all, especially offensively. So what did Mike Tomlin do? Held a press conference today and announced he fired offensive coordinator Matt Canada. That's right. Matt Canada been in the college game a long time. Has not worked out for him in the NFL. Has not worked out for him in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, owners of a pathetic offense. How about these numbers if you're scoring at home? Pittsburgh Steelers, total yards, 29th in the National Football League. That's 32 teams in the National Football League. Got that? 29th. Passing yards, 26th. Points, 28th. 
Third down conversions, 25th. What are the Pittsburgh Steelers averaging points per game? 16 points per game. Yes, the Pittsburgh Steelers are atrocious offensively. Their fans are upset. However, the Pittsburgh Steelers are still winning games. They're above 500. And Mike Tomlin was asked, do you, like, are you upset that the team is putting up these putrid numbers, but you're still winning? And he says, well, you can look at it two ways, and I'm paraphrasing, of course. You look at it like, hey, we're winning games. Or the other way you can look at it is that we can't be putting up these blank numbers on offense, and then eventually it's going to catch up with us. So I'm under the belief that I want to fix this blank and fix the offense. Felt bad for firing Matt Canada a couple days before Thanksgiving. Coaches lose their job. It's part of the business, but never an easy thing to do. But he's making a very tough decision here. Now, did Mike Tomlin make this decision on his own, or did that come upstairs from the Rooney family? That is the question. Mike Tomlin's trying to say that he is owning this. But the Steelers are an abysmal football team. Their defense is not great, but it's good enough to keep them close in games, create some turnovers. They've been very good at that. You got TJ Watt and company. So the Steelers hang their hat on the steel curtain defense like they have in years past. But offensively, Kenny Pickett, abysmal. Kenny Pickett was so bad on Sunday that he had one of the worst quarterback ratings in all the NFL this year. Remember they played the Cleveland Browns and they lose 13-10. to 10. Ugly football game. Neither team had more than 260 yards of offense. Kenny Pickett threw for 106. How do you throw for 106 yards in an NFL football game? That is beyond me. Oh, I guess we have to ask Tommy DeVito, who actually couldn't even get above the zero mark. Remember a couple weeks ago when he came in? Under zero. Minus nine yards passing. Kenny Pickett's been in the league now enough. Came in with you know high accolades out of the University of Pittsburgh. Plays for the hometown team. Got in last year in relief of Mitch Trubisky. And they said, oh, he's going to be our guy going forward. Let's keep him around here. Well, this year has not worked out for Kenny Pickett. He was injured earlier on. And I'm not blaming the injuries for this. He's just downright missing receivers. It's ugly. 106 yards passing against the Cleveland Browns. Steelers lose the game 13-10. to Now, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the, the product from Bishop Gorman, went to UCLA. Seemed like he stayed at UCLA forever. Was he ever going to come out for the NFL? Well, he did, and he got a start, but it wasn't good for him either. His quarterback rating, 54.9. Pittsburgh has been outgained in every game this year. Outgained in every game this year. 11 football games. Outgained in every year. Every game. Pathetic. <sighs> but we'll see if things change. Now, remember Buffalo made the change with Ken Dorsey. They fired him. What happened? Buffalo was playing that Jets team, right? That vaunted Jets defense everyone was talking about. Didn't matter. Buffalo railroaded them. Ran them out of the building. Up there in Orchard Park. Josh Allen, three touchdown passes. So will this be the sign for Pittsburgh turnaround? I don't think so. Kenny Pickett is no Josh Allen. 
So we'll see what happens. Pittsburgh winning ugly. Outgained in every game thus far, but still above 500 and have a shot to go to the playoffs in uh, leading the AFC North. Speaking of bad offenses, let's go close to home. The Raiders. Maybe worse than Pittsburgh. Total yards, 31st. Rushing, 31st. Let me check how many teams are there in the National Football League. 32. Very good. Are you is that is that a definitive answer? Or are you asking me a no, question? No, 32. You're right. Correct. I know. So, passing 23rd. Points 26. Just about 17 points per game. See, I like to round up and round down, okay? Do you know what the round off number is when you round up and when you round down, okay? If you get the decimal point, I know F math for you. I understand that. It's okay. Point 5. Point 0.5, right? Yeah. There you go. All right. So, if it's Okay, quick answer here. Hit the buzzer quickly. Okay, here we go. If it's 16.8, what do we say? 17. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not into this. Uh, they're giving up 16.8 points per game. No such thing. Do you see a point, a decimal point in the scoreboard? No, you don't. Giving up 17 points per game. Still pretty bad. Third down conversions. How many teams in the National Football League? 32. Raiders are? 32nd. Correct. Okay. Very good. I like the way you said 32nd, too. Proper uh, English for you. I had to look. Uh, or not, I had to look. I just was like, uh, what are you looking at? Nothing. There's nothing to look at. I know. Okay. Quit looking behind my shoulder. She has her clothes on. Nothing oh, to look at. Right. Darn. 32. That's where they rank right now. Yeah. No. 32%, too. 32%. Horrendous. So whose offense is worse than... The Raiders or the Steelers? Pretty close. I mean, pretty Stat, close. Stat-wise, it's the Raiders. Yeah? Right? I mean, whew. Raiders. Close game. Lose 20-13 to 13 to Miami, but an ugly affair. The only reason it was close, because each team had three turnovers. Tua was a mess. O'Connell was a mess. Aiden O'Connell, three interceptions for the Raiders. Tua had one interception and one fumble. Dolphins had a fumble by their rookie tight end, Julian Hill. Yeah, it was an ugly football game, but the Raiders did not pull it out. Raiders' defense played well, but it's like this. Without an offense that is going to contribute and get your first downs and get points on the board and score more than 13. Remember, the Raiders only scored more than 21 once, right? No. They're not going to win football games with Aiden O'Connell, a quarterback. He was awful. 24 for 41 in Sunday's game. 271. That was a yardage. One touchdown, three interceptions. He was under duress the entire day. Raiders, third down conversions, four for 14. Fourth down, 0 for 2. The Raiders are trying to make a commitment to the running game. I get that to a certain degree. But when you only have 36 yards of rushing in a football game, it's not going to work. The Raiders have only eclipsed above 300 yards in three of their 11 games so far. Against Pittsburgh, against New England, against the Giants. They are offensively challenged. We know that. And why? Because they have a rookie quarterback. And let's just face it, I get to a certain degree that you want to go with Aiden O'Connell. 
But are you going with Aiden O'Connor because you truly believe he's the best quarterback on your roster? Are you going with Aiden O'Connell because you want to get away from the Patriot way? Really? That's really what it is. It's not because he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo or Brian Hoyer because he's not. He's not better than either one of those guys. Now, Hoyer's a career backup. Granted, get it. Josh McDaniels wanted to load his roster up with New England Patriots, people that he had coached, people that he felt confident in or, or believed in his garbage system. But the bottom line is, it didn't work. And now what Mark Davis and whatever and what the Raiders want to do right now is get away from the Patriot way. I get that. I understand that. Wholeheartedly agree with that. However, you paid a guy a lot of money to be your quarterback, and you brought him over directly from San Francisco. Right, not New England. So if you need to erase that from the memory banks, go ahead and do that. Think of Jimmy Garoppolo as a Niner that went to the Super Bowl. Right, he lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, but went to the Super Bowl. He is the best quarterback on the roster. Yes, he was injured later, but now he's just sitting around getting treatment and not doing anything except throwing warm up passes on the sideline during timeouts and playing catch with Aiden O'Connell. That's what he's doing. He's ready to go. You cannot continue to go with Aiden O'Connell if you want to win football games. Now, if you're going to play NBA and you want to just tank it and get yourself a higher draft pick, okay. But that's not what Mark Davis is all about. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to still try to win football games. But what about the teammates? What about Devontae Adams? Does he have a better chance of getting touchdowns and getting the ball thrown to him and breaking big plays with a veteran like Jimmy Garoppolo or a rookie a fourth-round draft pick out of Purdue was nothing special in college, Aiden O'Connell. The answer is simple. So for people that think Aiden O'Connell is the future, that may be so, but you can only do or judge what is in front of you. And right now, the numbers are not good for Aiden O'Connell. Yes, he has more interceptions than touchdowns. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo did as well, too. But who gives your team the better chance against top-quality Opposition. You're done playing the New York Jets of the world. You're done playing the New York Giants of the world. They're long gone. Up next, world champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Going to be a little angry coming into Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders have had no luck against Kansas City Chiefs, especially here at home. Chargers, Vikings. That's what you got coming up. You think you can get the job done with a rookie quarterback who's still learning the game, who's always under duress? No. If you want to win... You must at least consider Jimmy Garoppolo if you want to win. College football. Sad news coming out of Florida State. As quarterback Jordan Travis out for the season, suffered a lower leg injury in the game against North Alabama on Saturday. Who'd they play? What did I just say? Northern Alabama. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Back to Jordan Travis for a minute. He was carted out the field with an air cast on his left leg. He was taken to the hospital. Uh, Travis remained hospitalized over the weekend, feeling better. But not only is his season over, his college football career is over. Don't know if Jordan Travis is going to have an NFL career, but his college career pretty much is over. It's sad for Jordan Travis. It's sad for the Florida State Seminoles, who are 11-0. and 11-0. and And no one's really talking about it. All they're talking about is Ohio State and Michigan with that exact same record. But they are currently ranked fourth right now. Number four for the college football playoff rankings. And I feel sad for those fans because Florida State doesn't have much 
of a backup behind. We'll see if they can rally, but they're in sad shape. But here's the real dilemma I have. Here's the real problem. And the real question for me is, why is Florida State playing Northern Alabama in the middle or towards the end of November? Why are teams playing these meaningless non-conference games late in the season? Do you actually think playing teams like Northern Alabama or Tennessee Chattanooga or some of these other heavy hitters are playing at the end of November? Is that going to do you any good? Of course not. It's not going to prepare you for your conference championship game. It's not going to prepare you for the college football playoff. It's not going to prepare you for a big-time bowl game. So why schedule this? Why? To get another victory so you can shell out money? You're not getting money. You're getting the gate. But you can get a gate against a conference opponent, too, that's going to challenge you. You want to do this garbage in September and bring these patsies in and pay them a, a million bucks or a million and a half to come in there and get their butt whipped? Okay, I get that. Get an easy win. Get a tune-up for your guys. That's great. But a November game against a non-conference opponent that you are going to shellac and whoop on, it does you no good in for prepping against Florida this week. Florida's have a little bit of a down season. They lost their quarterback as well, too. But no, it serves no purpose whatsoever. So quit playing these cupcake teams in November. It's not going to prep you for the most meaningful football that you're about to face right now. You know what you do when you play Northern Alabama? You know what you do? You play your second string guys. You play your third string guys. That's right. Oh, by the way, what was the score of this football game, by the way, on Saturday? 58 to 13. Without Jordan Travis. 58 to 13. Now, sidebar here, because I know someone might bring this up. I realize what happened in this football game. Funny thing was, Northern Alabama led 13 to nothing. <laughs> they jumped out 13 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. But what happened after that? Well, Florida State got a little serious. They scored 58 unanswered. 58. Numbchuck, do the math. How many straight touchdowns did they score? You know how many points you get for a touchdown? F math. Yeah. <laughs> how many? How many? 13. How many? How many? Th- 13 I touchdowns? I don't know. Seven. Times seven? No. Yeah. Very good. Eight touchdowns. Eight touchdowns. <sighs> yeah. So don't play these games at the end of the season. Does you no good. You're going to win anyway and give some of your other guys a chance to play. All right. F1, the aftermath. Now, here's the question. Was this good or bad from Vegas? Because now you're going to get all kinds of differing opinions. Now the clouds have gone away. The smoke is, you know, set in the distant fire. Old reference to song from the 70s. Depends really on who you're going to talk to, right? Politicians, great for Vegas. City executives, this was awesome. Great for Vegas. Business owners, eh, depending on where your business is. Locals, what do you think locals think about this? It was horrible. Horrible? You're going to go horrible. I'm going to use the word race was exciting. I think we all agree the race was exciting. The race the, the, the race was fun. I, I watched race it. Race is fun, exciting. I did too, from a distance. It was different. No major accidents. No controversy, really, for the race itself. 
But what about the lead up? And then the future of Formula One in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Uh, specifically having it on the strip in the surrounding area. Well, many people are labeling it. You label it as terrible for a terrible Tuesday. I can understand that. Many people are labeling it disaster. And I can maybe go with disaster. But right now, we'll stick with our theme and call it terrible. It was expensive. It catered to foreigners, the tourists, and not locals at all. Supposedly, it was a big boom for the economy. But at what cost? Tearing up our roads? Significant length of time that we had to endure with construction since the beginning of April? Even longer than that, if you talk about what has transpired with I-15 and the Tropicana exit, even longer. All right, but if you want to stick to that area regarding the race, April, they started the construction. Delays in travel. Ridiculous construction. For what? For a 90-minute race. That's right. Not 200, 200 laps. Not 500 miles like you get at NASCAR or Indy, right? No, no, no. 50 laps. Three-and-a-half-mile track. Yum. 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 That's actually pretty good. I'll give you that Thank one. Thank you very much. Pretty good. Certain sound effects. All right. But yes, for 90 minutes, six months of construction, disrupting our lives for one 90-minute race that basically no one in Las Vegas cared about, it was a major inconvenience. Would we agree with that? Yes. Major. And you don't even drive. No. But you're feeling the pain. Yes. So those of us are driving, nodding their heads, and right on, brother. Preach. Preach. Okay. If this was at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, no one would have any problem with it. They would actually be embracing this. All right? But no, because we want to get really cute and we want to market off the Las Vegas Strip and our fancy neon signs and all that kind of stuff. That's what we want to do. We want to cover up what Koval Lane really looks like. Huh? Do you think the world really knows what Koval Lane really looks like? Where Javon Walker, former Packer, got rolled back in the day? Ah. We cover all that up. We make it nice and neat and everything. We bring everybody in. And wow, this looks beautiful. All right. People would embrace it if it was at the Speedway. You're covering up hotel windows on the Strip. You're charging $10,000 a room. Locals are being outpriced to even come to the event in their own city. No, none of this is good. It seems that the expected turnout did not really come to fruition, did it? All the money they were talking about bringing to Las Vegas, we don't have those figures, do we? Everyone's asking me, so how did it do? Did it make a killing? I don't know. We haven't heard those numbers yet. We do know that ticket prices dropped, right? Hotel rooms dropped the final few days before the race. Why? Because tickets went unsold. Some room properties were selling rooms on the weekend for under 70 bucks. How's that? If you're paying 10 grand right there... On the strip. Right off the strip. There, there were places under 70 bucks. There were properties that were under 40% filled. Wow. There you go. Tickets for Thursday's practice sessions were selling for around 100 bucks on Wednesday night. I had tickets offered to me for FRWE on Thursday. No, thank you. I'm escaping town. <sighs> the qualifying round of Friday was $250 on the secondary market. Both events were selling for around $1,000 originally. A ticket to Saturday's race was still over $800 on Friday, but last month 
1600 bucks. So for some fans, they didn't even get to see what they paid for. Thursday night, you come to the practice round. Think, okay, I'm going to get a deal. I'll get there. All right? Got off to a disastrous start when a Ferrari owner, Carlos Sainz, went over to the improperly secured drain cover. A manhole cover was not properly secured. It came flying up during the practice round, damaging the engine of his car. Now, despite the fact that the problem was no fault of his own, Sainz was hit with a 10-place grid penalty. I don't know what that means. Do you? He dropped 10 spots. He dropped 10 spots. So he was second. No fault for him. Yeah. He was second and started 12th. He started 12th because of that. Yeah. No fault of his own because some construction workers didn't really do their job, I guess, or something happened. Okay. That's going to happen. Practice was halted to determine if more spots in the street circuit were hazardous. And by the time the next practice started, two and a half hours later, oh, by the way, you remember this started at midnight. Yeah. It got pushed back to 2.30 a.m. So those in attendance had been ordered to leave the viewing areas. All fans, please leave the viewing area. You may come back at 2.30 a.m. Go have yourself some breakfast. Oh, no discount of breakfast, though. But for the inconvenience, we will issue you $200 gift cards for merchandise. Hold on. You have that wrong. Oh, okay. Go ahead. So they were kicked out yeah. after the nine minutes of practice. Yes. And were not allowed to watch the practice. That's true. So don't come back. So don't come back. Oh. Uh. But they ordered fans to come back after 2.30. F1 ran a 90-minute session until 4 a.m. when preparations had to come to a halt because they had to reopen the streets for morning commuter traffic. The Las Vegas Grand Prix offered that $200 credit on to Thursday-only ticket holders to be spent at the official merchandise store. Remember, most things had to have a three-day minimum stay, like hotels, tickets, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you had to do three-day packages. Those gestures only angered more fans, feeling that they got ripped off of this Las Vegas Grand Prix. Some now have filed a class action lawsuit against the LVGP. Oh, by the way, the glitz and glamour didn't really go over too well with the drivers, especially the winner, Max Verstappen. He was seen on live television worldwide disinterested in rolling his eyes as John Legend was singing during the opening ceremony on Wednesday night. And again, I said, I don't understand why a Wednesday night for a Saturday night race. Yes. Calling it, here's the quote, this is 99% show, 1% sporting event. For me, you can keep this. It's not about the singers. We are just standing up there like clowns. That's your winner. Yeah. Unbelievable. All weekend, drivers also complained about the low grip on the slick track. Unlike the circuit purpose built for Formula One, the streets of Las Vegas were repurposed for the race. The process that created less than ideal racing conditions and a traffic nightmare for locals. And now guess what? It'll take weeks for the F1 configuration to be turned around. Officials say... Things would return to normal by take a legitimate guess. I already know the answer. It's eight weeks. Christmas, my friend. Eight weeks. Two months. Christmas. Two months. They said things will be better, will be normal by Christmas. They're saying that it's going to be done by by in eight weeks. Wow. You think it's over? Not by a long shot. Because this is only the beginning. F1 signed a 10-year deal with Las Vegas. This race will be here through 2032. 
I was so disinterested, disgusted. I left town, had a great time elsewhere because I was tired of the delays. I said, I'm out of here. Like now. I'm out of here. <laughs> Terrible Tuesday. You got some takes? Hit me on Twitter at TCMartin21. All right, Arash Mikazi, who was here at the race, he will give us some thoughts next hour. But coming up next, we're going to talk to longtime Oakland A's and soon-to-be Las Vegas A's play-by-play man, Ken Korak, who is a nominee for the Ford Frick Award. And we will talk to Ken, Las Vegas native, when we come back. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. All right, don't forget, taking Thursday off, huh? T.C. Martin Show Song Fest? Oh, Nubchuck's all excited. That's right. You get to hear the Song Fest. We're going to replay that on Thursday while I am enjoying some great food and a lot of football on Thursday. Turkey, right? Yeah, no. Not having turkey. Not my genre. We went through this yesterday, but that's okay. Reminder, but of course, uh, we're back Friday at the Westgate of Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook, our Friday home. So come on by, see the show live. Best bet segment and a whole lot more handicapping the NFL and college football. So come on by 2 to 4 p.m., of course, at the Westgate Las Vegas. And then also, we get ready for Raiders and Chiefs Sunday afternoon, 125 kickoff. And we've got the Raider Indoor Tailgate Party. So come on by, say hello. Slice of Vegas. All you can eat, all you can drink. Yes, normally $35, but it's F-R-E-E, as we'll be giving away passes for that. All you can eat, all you can drink, with a great food from Slice of Vegas and also Who Songs as well. Starting at 10 a.m., watch the games on the big screens, have a great time, and uh, just walk over to Allegiant Stadium at Slice of Vegas, located inside the Mandalay Bay shops between the Mandalay Bay and the Luxor. Have you made the walk yet? I have not. Are you going to this week? Uh, You know, when you have a parking pass and the traffic isn't so bad coming from that way, I'm I'm fine with driving because that means I would have to walk back. You know, park at Mandalay. That's, that's yeah. the hell part. Yeah. So from what I hear, but people walking back. That's what they said. I said, well, how long will it take to get there? 12 minutes. Uh, what about coming back? Uh, 45. Yeah. Uh, no, thanks. There you go. A guy who knows a lot about this Las Vegas community because he spent so much time here, still lives here, I believe, in the off season. Uh, great friend. Uh, I wanted to have him on today because he's a finalist for the Ford C. Frick Award for Baseball Broadcasting Excellence. He is the longtime radio voice of the Oakland A's for the past 28 years. 18 of those as a lead play-by-play man. Four years with the Chicago White Sox. We're not going to hold that against him. Don't get mad, Numbchuck. <laughs> Numbchuck is a diehard North Sider, like myself. Yes. Yep. I'm done. I'm turning him off. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it all started here in Vegas. That's why people love Ken Korak here in Las Vegas. Ken, what's going on, my friend? Hey, TSC, it's great to be with you guys. Yes. And by the way, speaking of the White Sox and Cubs, looking at the A's schedule next year, yeah. we get both teams on the same trip. So we have literally a week in Chicago, White Sox, and then the Cubs. You got to love that. I mean, you get to go yeah, back. I know to... that is really cool. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, most of the time, if you're going to play like both those teams, you'll play one in April and the other one in August, and you're going back and forth. So to. Right. To get them both on one trip is really a cool thing. Uh, now, hopefully, that'll be at a good weather time too, Ken. Have you seen that? Is, is it a summertime series? Yeah, it's late. It's 
late it's late in the summer. It might even be September. So oh, I think the weather man. should be great. Yeah. There you go. Might be able to sneak in a Bears game, but I don't know if you'd want to do that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. Sold your field. Exactly. <clears throat> Iconic. Uh, great. No, I love Chicago, man. I you know, I got a chance to to go there several times this year because, you know, I did the broadcasting with the Las Vegas Aces uh, or WNBA back-to-back champs. And uh, that's what I kind of like about our WNBA schedule because sometimes we play these East Coast teams. Like when we went back to New York or or Connecticut, you know, we would would do like almost like a doubleheader with a day or two in between. So that's good. Instead of like two East Coast trips – then we get a chance to take in all the sights and and so last time I was back there I got a chance to to go see Dusty when the the Astros were playing the Yankees I go this is beautiful man you know yeah I know if you get a chance to spend more than one day because that's like the schedule with the WNBA you know and and then like the NBA where you're in and out or you don't get the chance to spend time in a city that's one of the nice things about baseball where normally you're going to play a three game series you're going to be there for a while as you know exactly all right. Ken Korak, uh, one of the greats, a lot of Las Vegas ties, uh, of course. Uh, recipient will be announced on December the 6th in Nashville at the uh, Baseball Winter Means, and then uh, the honored in July, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Cooperstown. Ken is uh, one of 10 finalists. Uh, talk a little bit about how you receive this news because, you know, I'm a big Hall of Fame guy, man. And I, I love to, to, to hear the stories about, okay, when you get that phone call or that notification that, that you're up for something like this. Well, thanks, TC. It's a great, it's a good question. It was interesting. It was the 25th of October and my wife and I were watching something on her iPad, actually. So. I was away from my phone. I came back in our den. I picked up my phone and saw there was a, a text actually from a, a writer named Steve Croner from the San Francisco Chronicle. And I was oblivious to the fact that that was the day that they were naming the finalists for the Frick Award. But in, he sent a very short text and it said, congratulations on being a finalist for the Frick. And it really caught me by surprise, kind of caught me off guard. So I literally just Googled Frick nominations. And so <laughs> That's how I found out. It's not the most like romantic kind of way to, you know, and, and so the um, MLB.com had a story up on the website and then uh, the, the Hall of Fame had sent out a release. But I think because you guys can appreciate the, you know, your fans of the game and the history of baseball. And you mentioned the Hall of Fame, TC. I did get a call from uh, John Chestikovsky, who is the, one of the vice presidents of the Hall of Fame. Uh, and he oversees the the uh, Frick Award and the process there. And when you when you see, when your phone lights up and then you see the number and you see Cooperstown, New York, on your phone, right? I mean, that's like a trip, right? I mean, right. it's like it's like one of those wow moments where you go, you mean me, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting a call from Cooperstown, so <laughs> you know, I've, I've I just I kind of feel like. Um, it was so unexpected, but I'm really humbled to be in the kind of company I'm in. Uh, so many of these finalists have been friends of mine for years. So, um, I, I have no illusions about winning it. That's fine. But, uh, to be a finalist is a really humbling thing for sure. You're in some great company, uh, Joe Buck, Gary Cohn, uh, Tom Hamilton, Dan Schulman, and then we got some Bay Area guys. We got Mike Kruko and Dwayne Kuyper. So basically, you know, even though I know you're not a Bay Area guy, but you're a Bay Area guy, you know, Kruko and Kuyper and, and yourself with the Giants and the A's. Pretty cool 
uh, to be in that yeah. type of esteemed company. And a lot of these guys, they have been doing it for as long as you have, and some even longer. You know, when you I think Joe Joe Castiglione right. was the white with the Red Sox thirty five years, right? 40, you know, yeah. Thirty five years over forty years in the big league. Yeah. So yeah. And there's so many other um deserving broadcasters who weren't named as finalists. And as you guys know, having worked in this business, it is a very I mean, judging broadcasters, I guess judging anything is so subjective. So mm. there were so many others that um are, are just you know, usually deserving who did not make it onto that list. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Bay Area, you know, I moved to the Bay Area in 1979. I got my start in broadcasting up there. So met my wife there and our daughter was born up there. So uh, we've been living, you know, and trying to make it work here and also up there. But I got a, a really nice text from Mike Kruko. You mentioned mm-hmm. uh, Mike and he did express to me how cool it was that the three of us that that Mike and Dwayne Kuyper and, and myself that were on that list. But, you know, it's really hard to separate those two guys. Uh, it's like nobody just says right. Kruko or <laughs> Kuyper. They always say Kruk and Kuyper. Right. right. So there's this, there's some momentum. I don't think it's going to happen because it's never happened before. And the Hall of Fame really believes it should be one honoree each year that if they ever were going to make an exception and induct two people in one year, it would be Kruk and Kuyper. Right. And I'd be all for that. I think that'd be great. You know, it's kind of, uh, I don't know how you feel about this, Ken. I know, like, it's just an honor to be one of the 10, but I think what, then they, don't they dwindle it down to three and then they, they induct, you know, one person or they honor one person there. No, it's actually, it's just the 10 and then there, then the, all of the, um, the Frick recipients vote and then there are three, um, baseball broadcasting historians that vote. So they don't, my understanding is they don't narrow it down to three. Okay, so good, it's the good. 10, okay. then there's the vote, and then there's the announcement, as you said, at the uh, winter meetings on the 6th right. of December. Yeah. And I guess, you know, it, it's cool to, to be, to be notified like that, that, hey, you're, you're, you're one of the 10 instead of just, you know, announcing one guy. Cause I think a lot of people, you know, would say, oh, that's great. But then, oh, it could be crushing, you know, at the end. But uh, I think the bottom line is, and you know this better than anybody or what, what, what you're feeling. But of course, you would love for, you know, to get that uh, invitation to be there and, and, and have it be you. But I think just you'll be nominated for something like this is satisfaction uh, enough, don't you think? Well, thanks. And yeah, you're right. And, and John Lowe won the Writers Award last year. Mm-hmm. And John's retired now, but he spent years covering baseball in Detroit. And he called me after the announcement of the finalists. And it's interesting that you, you said what you, you know, your comment about being a finalist. He said that when he received the call that he had won the Writers Award, which is the equivalent of the Frick Award, mm-hmm. that it was no greater thrill than when he was told he was a finalist because he, just kind of looked around the room and realized the company that he was in. So that was a thrill enough for him to, to, to know that he was a finalist. But, you know, one thing I do want to mention, uh, and you, you also, you mentioned my ties to this market and we're kind of a composite of people we've met, our experiences, the jobs we've had. And so I think it's been really important to me over the last two or three weeks to reach out to some people. Mm-hmm. Of an instrumental like Don Logan mm-hmm. from yes. the um, the Aviators. Of course, they were the Las Vegas Stars when I started doing their games in '89, <laughs> and that experience was, you know, just so instrumental for me. So I wouldn't trade being in the minor leagues and having that background and that reservoir of information and 
anecdotal information and experience that you build up in the minor leagues. So people like Don um, have been really important to me and, and supportive over the years. And it's like I, I just kind of felt like it was important to reach out and thank some of those folks. Yeah, well said, Ken. Uh, Ken Korak joins us and started for him here in Vegas with the Stars, UNLV also back in the day, and a long, great career uh, with the Oakland Athletics and currently uh, still there. You followed and worked with probably my all-time favorite, and that's Bill King. And I was a kid in Sacramento growing up, and I would just, you know, love listening to Giants games, A's games, and of course the Warriors and the Raiders. And Bill just did did everything. He was just one of those guys. And we see announcers cross over and do multiple sports. We still, st- but nothing like what Bill King did. Would you say, Ken, that he was a mentor for you, or would you say that maybe he was even an idol for you? And then maybe outside of Bill King, who who else would fall in that category for you growing up? I, w- I would say as it pertains to Bill, it would be all of the above, uh, because I learned so much from him, and not not just from the 10 years that we worked together, but I grew up listening to Bill. I mean, I grew up in L.A., but you could get the Warrior games at night on KNBR, and so this goes back to the 60s. Yeah. So I was enthralled listening to Bill, and I've said this many times, and again, it's subjective. I think he's the greatest sportscaster that this country's ever produced, especially on radio, because yes. even though... He did quite a bit of TV. Radio was his preferred medium. So, yeah, I idolized Bill. I, you know, Vin Scully, obviously, um, I think you start with him when you're a kid growing up in L.A., and especially, and I'm, I'm dating myself now, but even back in the 60s, the only games the Dodgers televised were the nine games every year up in San Francisco. So if you wanted to follow the team, you had to listen to Vinny and Jerry Doggett on the radio. So I've said this before, growing up in California, uh, it was kind of a blessing and a curse in a way because you had you had Bill, you had Chick Hearn, you had um, Dick Enberg in L.A., you had Lon Simmons and Russ Hodges, and then you know obviously uh, Bill. And so it's like it was these influences were incredible. But you kind of start thinking, how could I ever be even halfway as good as these guys? Because right. you're talking about some of the most iconic broadcasters in the history of our profession. Mm-hmm. Perfectly said, my friend. We feel the exact same way. And like I said, you're listening from LA. I'm listening from Sacramento, uh, being a kid and just, uh, just, just love listening to all those guys that you mentioned from the Bay Area. You know, you had some great memories yourself from the, the time in Oakland. What sticks out for you during your time, say with the A's? Would it be that 20 game winning streak? Would that be the tops for you, or would it be that or something else? Just talk a little bit about those special moments for you over the past 28 years. Well, I think spending 10 years with Bill would also be near the top of the list because working with Bill, you know, was a thrill a minute. Um, I spent about 267 pages in my book trying to describe him, and I'm not sure <laughs> I did him justice even at that point. And fans of the Raiders here, of course, I'm sure there are a lot of people here who go back to the, the Oakland days with Bill, and his calls have been immortalized, as you know, through NFL films with some of the Raider highlights. But it's a great question, I, and I've been really fortunate from the time, I guess beginning in 2000, the A's were in the postseason 11 different years. But the, the winning streak, and there's nothing, there was nothing like how that built and to get to the 15th game and the 16th. Then the Miguel Tejada, his heroics, the home run against the Twins to win the 18th game off Eddie Gardado, the base at the center field in the ninth inning. 
on Labor Day against Kansas City. And then obviously Scott Hatterberg's home run for the 20th and uh, Bill's call, another one of his call that, calls that's been immortalized. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, just to see that build, it was so historic. It's been broken. The record's been broken, but yeah. such a huge slice of history. But then, you, you know, I've had a chance to call four no-hitters, three by the A's, including Dallas Braden's perfect game and some of those incredible postseason games, the opportunity to have two separate postseasons in the division series at um, Yankee Stadium uh, in 2003 at Fenway Park. And even though most of those series ended in disappointment for the A's, still there was the, the chance to do games in that kind of an electric atmosphere was uh, thrilling for sure. No doubt. Um the movie Moneyball, which a lot of people talk about, uh, you got uh, you got some time in there too. Your voice was on there along with Bill King. You had some of that. <laughs> yeah. What real quick take? How did and then they they did? I thought a pretty a really good job of detailing that twenty game win streak and everything, and the Hatterberg Homer and Bill's call, like you said. We got your voice on on a lot of those as well. Uh, how do you think that that came across? That and how was that that movie viewed within the organization or you personally? Well, parenthetically, I'll mention that the only only reason you hear my voice in those ninth innings of those games down the stretch in the streak was because Bill was so gracious. Bill had planned to take Labor Day weekend off, and he stayed with his plan to take it off, even though this, this streak was uh, building. I was the number two guy to Bill back right. then, but that's why I did the ninth innings. And so I've always been indebted to him for uh, just being such a class act. And he said... Hey, you know, those games are Ken's. I'm going to stay on vacation. I wouldn't have blamed him if, if he had come back. <laughs> he did come back, and it was so fitting that he had the call in the ninth inning of Hatterberg's home run. I think the only I, – I do think, and I'll echo what you said, they did a really good job in terms of the authenticity. They didn't have to call through hundreds, literally hundreds of hours of radio calls to find our calls. They could have just had somebody voice over that stuff, TV calls as well. Um, the only issue I, I have with the movie – um, and there's, there are others as well. The depiction of Art Howe I thought was really unfair. And may he live, may he rest in peace. Philip Seymour Hoffman yep. was a fabulous um, actor. And they were looking for the, the conflict and the dissonance between Billy Bean and, and Art. I'm not saying that some of that didn't exist, but the portrayal of Art was really unfair, and it really didn't capture him at all. Art Howe, one of the nicest people, uh, total gentleman, he was not that curmudgeonly figure that he was played in the movie. So that's a, that, I would start with that. That's funny you say that because I never met Art Howe, but I just kind of had that feeling from people that knew Art. And he, when you would look at his demeanor, usually in the dugout or you know mound visits or, or or do press conferences, he did not seem like that at all. And and to, and if, as far as uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, you're looking at that and going, "That's the same guy that was in Boogie Nights." Right? Oh, are you kidding yeah. me? That's him. Right. It really is him. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and Art is a tall thin guy. I mean, right. he didn't look like him at all, right? right? I mean, Brad Pitt, I think, nailed uh, Billy. Right. I mean, he, it, was, it was great. It was fabulous. <laughs> so, <laughs> I am still getting residuals from Sony Pictures. Beautiful. So every once in a while, my wife will take a photo of the of a check when it comes in. It's like, 
twelve dollars and thirty one cents. I know, right? It comes in like every three months or so, you know. Yeah. So um, we, that, that's that's funny. We get that uh, every once in a while. So you know, our good friend, which you um, probably got to know over the time, Mark Ratner, right? The former executive director. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. So Mark is always telling us for these movies that he's appeared in. Yeah, I'll get it. I'll get a check for like uh, six dollars and seventy one cents every right. now and then. Yeah. <laughs> you can have a cup of coffee or something, and maybe a donut at Starbucks or whatever, right? Yeah. That's that's great. Yeah. That's cool. That's great, man. Um, final thing before I let you go, uh, you and I are both uh, know Dusty Baker very well, and I, I got a chance to spend some time with him this past weekend, and now he's settling into basically quasi retirement. You, you you got a chance to see him a lot uh, doing the A's in the same division as the Astros. Quick take on Dusty. One of the all time greats and a quality human being, and of course your uh, background with him mirrors Dusty being from Sacramento, right? The yep. states. Yeah. State's capital, and I had a chance to talk to him before the last game the A's played against the Astros this year down in Houston, and had a little one-on-one time with him, and he passed along some words of wisdom, and it was a really touching thing. It was kind of emotional for me, because I had a feeling that this was going to be the last time that I would see him in uniform. He didn't say it, but he kind of did to me, and I got the feeling that, you know, kind of thinking that however long they were going to go in the postseason, that was going to be it. So tremendous respect for Dusty. Another guy like Bill is just, you know, amazingly well-rounded too. I mean, when you, when you, you go to a game and that Dusty is managing, you never know who's going to show up in the clubhouse or in his (laughs) office with him because he kind of runs the whole deal. Like one day at the Coliseum, he walks, on the field with Elvin Bishop, right? I'm thinking, okay, so that's the rock and roll influence with Dusty. He, he loves, yeah, so, he loves Elvin Bishop. Oh yeah, no, yeah, he does. He's yeah, got the I Jimi know. Hendrix ties, the Carlos Santana. I mean, well, from, li- mon- from yeah. Monterey Pop, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. he saw Hendrix at, at Monterey Pop back in the '60s. Right? And how many people can say that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Still has his uh, guitar uh, hanging up in his house, uh, right there as well, too. Uh, with yeah, an old Jimi Hendrix uh, guitar. So no, that's it. it you know, he's he's one of a kind, no doubt. And I knew that, like I said, you got a chance to spend time with him as well. So I just wanted to to touch base uh, with you on that because I know you and I have talked about uh, those uh, th- those those times we got a chance to spend with him. You had some great times uh, during the course of the year, spring training, that sort of thing. And then I I obviously get a chance to see him, you know, during the season and the off season as well. So, uh, yep, hopefully he'll now, be in the Hall of Fame. No question. I mean, you wait for five. And, you know, however long it takes, but he'll be in the Hall of Fame. No question. Ken, great talking with you, man. We'll uh, let you to uh, continue to enjoy your offseason. Uh, let's make sure that we t- touch base again here uh, before baseball season. I'll reach out to you. But uh, always great having you on. And I know uh, Vegas fans uh, love hearing your voice. They remember you fondly and are still following you. So uh, congratulations on the uh, being a finalist for the the Ford Frick Award, my friend. Hey, man, thanks, TC, and congrats to you for another title with the Aces. That was really phenomenal. Yeah, great stuff, man. Appreciate it. Thanks right. again. Take care, brother. Okay, TC. There he is. Thanks. Ken Korak, great. 28 years and counting with the A's. When we come back, we'll talk F1 the weekend. Arash Bakazi was there. we got that and a whole lot more coming your way here on this terrible Tuesday. Lorenzi, eccolo il cross tagliato di testa che Go! Go! 
magnifico, il magnifico, il magnifico rettore! Live! Boom! Boom! Shake, shake! The room! In the entertainment capital of the world! What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! It's the TC Martin Show! Léger hors jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus! Très fort devant le Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo pifio. Messi la tiene. Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. Gol! 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 Cerebro! Cerebro! Cerebro Iniesta! The doctor is now in. Right here on this Terrible Tuesday. If you missed any of the Terrible Tuesday takes, check it out at the website a little bit later on. It'll be up there at tcmartinshow.com. Along with all the other past interviews, past shows, all there for you. And then news about the A's moving to Las Vegas. Uh, That went up there a few days ago after it was a official. And... uh, Again, I know some people, we had Ken Korok on last hour, the longtime voice of the A's. I really wanted to focus on having Ken on today talking about being a finalist of the Ford C. Frick Award for Baseball Broadcasting Excellence. And I know some people were probably wanting me to talk about the move and, and all that sort of thing. As you know, I've been there, am there, uh, with a, a, a broadcaster when you work for an organization and when you know that there are certain topics that the organization really does not want you to talk about, you have to find a way to avoid that or not talk about it. Um, to be fair, uh, Ken and I did talk earlier this morning and he asked, uh, you know, for us not to talk about that, um, because the A's have given him, uh, and everyone within the organization explicit directions, you know, do not comment about the move, which is totally understandable. And all listeners may not fully understand that because they want to hear this, but an announcer really, it's not his place to sit there and, and talk about that. Now, the president of the organization of the A's can talk about that or certain things or, you know, city officials in Oakland or city officials here in Las Vegas because, you know, they have a different take on it or whatever. It's not going to really get scrutinized with an employee of a team, especially one who's been with them for 28 years like Ken Korak. So I was not going to ask him about that. Uh, we could have talked some general things of that nature, but for the most part, I really wanted to have him on today to uh, acknowledge his broadcast excellence, especially here in Las Vegas. People, if you've been around Vegas from the 90s on, you know Ken Korak, Korak was the voice of the Las Vegas Stars, UNLV basketball, in, in uh, football, other sports that he's done, and then that led him to his relationship with Don Logan and Jim, Jim Gemini and all those guys with the Aviers currently right now. That led him to getting the job with the Chicago White Sox. And he was with the White Sox for four years. That led him to going to Oakland with those great years with the A's. 28 years. He's been the lead play-by-play guy there for 18, the last 18 years. And um, he is now a nominee, uh, one of 10 nominees for the Ford C. Frick Award for Baseball Broadcasting Excellence. 
he is up there with Joe Buck, Gary Cohen, Joe Cascaleone, Tom Hamilton, Dan Schulman, Mike Kruko, Dwayne Kuyper. Kruko and Kuyper have been doing Giants games forever. Tom Hamilton has done a, a, a variety of stuff with the Cincinnati Reds. Schulman with his ESPN work and everything, some East Coast teams. Gary Cohen with the Mets. Joe Buck, obviously. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals. And then, of course, the national stuff with Fox. And Cascaglione with the Boston Red Sox for 35-plus years. So uh, have Kim Korak in that conversation. Great. So that's why the main reason I wanted to have him on today uh, regarding that. And we have talked about the move when it was not official, uh, before he's been on the program, you know, months ago and to get his take on that. So I don't know, just not my thing to put somebody in an uncomfortable situation. Uh, and again, that's how you keep friends. That's how you keep colleagues in, in, in the business and don't cross those boundaries. And again, honestly, I don't, what more can Ken Korak say? What she's told us in the past, Hey, it's tough to broadcast those A's games with 2000 people in the stands. Feel bad for those. Oakland fans because he's been part of that fabric for, for 28 plus years. So you don't want to put a, a person who works for a team like that in a position to, to say something negative. And he's not going to because he has the utmost respect, but he has, he's the perfect guy when they transition. Now, again, will he be the radio play by play guy still when the A's relocate here? Cause remember, they're not going to be here till 2028. Think about that. That's, you know, five more seasons. Ken is older. He can probably keep doing it as long as he wants. And we've seen longevity with baseball announcers like Vin Scully, like Jack Buck, um, you know, Joe Buck's father. Um, so many uh, others have, have done it for a long time. Um, you know, Miller's still doing it, you know, uh, with the Giants, not, not as often. But uh, he's up there as an advanced age. So, you know, baseball is one of those sports that, uh, you know, you can continue doing it. Jim Cotts in his 70s, you know, late 70s. He's still doing it with the Minnesota Twins. So, yeah, great, great stuff. Just happy for him. And um, it'd be great if he actually is gets that final call. He's one of the 10 that actually gets honored at, uh, during that weekend of July tw- uh, 19th through the 22nd in Cooperstown at the Baseball Hall of Fame induction ceremony. So you can go back and listen to that Kim Korak interview. That'll be up on the website a little bit later after the show today. So we were talking earlier about the F1. Yes. And the travel that you had. Yes. Did you have fun in the airport? Was it an issue? You know what's funny is I actually took a picture. Uh, I I didn't post it, though, uh, at the airport. So I left out on Friday morning. Yep. And I re- again appreciate Brian Feldman and Marco D'Angelo for doing the show, you know, on on Friday. But I was, I said, I better get there extra early. You know how I am with airports. Yeah, I, I want to get there less than an hour before my flight. I don't like hanging around in airports and all that stuff. So I try to get there one hour or less. Green Bay, I'd actually get there a half hour before my flight. Quick in, quick out, yeah. boom. Don't have to wait. So I said, I better get there a little bit early. So I think I got there like an hour. In ten minutes before my flight. Oh boy! Nobody trip. was there. It's because they're all. They were all, all already. They were here. already here, right? I didn't have to stand in line, check my bags. Boom! Got time to kick back. It was great. But coming home, now this was a nightmare. I was in Sacramento. Yeah. And I'm coming back to Vegas. The race was Saturday night. 
people are leaving Las Vegas on Sunday, right? They're leaving Las Vegas, like Nicolas Cage said, in the movie, movie, right? Great movie. That was on again the other night. I was flipping the channels. It's kind of funny. Uh, anyway, so I'm thinking, okay, that's not going to be a problem. So I get the notification on my phone. It like So my flight was supposed to leave at 8.30. Purposely did that, stay in sack as long yeah. as I possibly can. Oh, yeah. You know, eat as much as I can, see friends, fam, all that stuff, right? And plus, give it time for the ham and eggers to leave Vegas. So around 4.35 o'clock, I get this text. Your flight has been delayed to 10.05 p.m. I'm going, what? Well, now I got to plan dinner. Damn, come on. Well, I was already, you know, on my way to dinner. No, I know, but I mean, the the second dinner. Exactly. Exactly, right. Yeah. And then what happens an hour later? Your flight's now delayed to 10.15 p.m. So, you know, you know what I'm thinking in my mind. Am I going to spend the night back in Sacramento again or in the airport or something like that? I don't think you really would have minded that at all. I, it, it just would have been the pain because the airport is not like here. Yeah. It's five minutes from your house. The airport's in the outskirts of town. So it's it's no matter where you live in Sac, it's a half hour, 45 minute drive. Just get to the airport. It's not kind of in the sticks. A yeah. Bit. Past the old, way past the old Arco Arena. But anyway, yeah. So then I I finally get there, and it was a weird sight that at the gate, okay, at the same gate, there are two Las Vegas flights, and they're going like back to back. That's and, really strange. Yeah, and I'm going okay. So then I'm going oh, their flight. So like the five p.m. flight was delayed. Yep. So, and then, or whatever it was, I think six o'clock flight and then, and then the eight thirty flight that I was on. So we're all backed up together and it was like, okay. So they were saying that both flights were at relatively empty. So, you know, me, I'm thinking, oh, can I jump on that earlier flight? And so the girl says, well, the other girl at the same gate, she's handling that flight. I'm handling this flight. So you're handling my flight, my 8.30 flight, which is now 10.17 p.m., right? She says, yeah, uh, you probably could, um, but we're going to try to move ours up, you know? So Yeah. And so these guys are staying in line, and I said, okay, maybe I will, but then I thought, wait a minute, my luggage is going to be on the other flight, so if I escape here a half hour early... I'm still going to have to wait at the airport for my luggage, right? Exactly. So, of course, I say, wrap it up. So, the moment I say that, you know, now boarding, flight 11, whatever. So, they get on the flight, right? And they, boom, they get out immediately. Now, we're boarding for your flight. (laughs) Literally, it's like 20 minutes apart. So, they probably just had the planes all lined up. Yeah. It was just, okay. It was weird. Yeah. So, again, it's like. Why? Now, I know coming into McCarran, like during the summer and all that, those nightmare stories I told you because they were doing the runway yeah. construction. Yeah. It's like, is that still going on? They go, no, it's due to F1. Due to F1. And wait, by the but way. But why? Why? Why F1? Because those guys are, they're, I don't get it. What's McCarran? Um, Rice? Rex Ryan? Somebody starts with an R. Harry Reid. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Who's he play for? Exactly. Oh. Um, why are you asking me that? Because you said McCarran. I said McCarran. You said McCarran. Oh, we can't do that anymore. You no. Know. What? What is that? No, no. I mean, we can. I mean, who's gonna know? I mean, I mean, it's like, but why is that a big deal? I we, just, can I just say the Las Vegas airport? There you go. Can I say that? Las Vegas International. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna say I. Uh, 
flying out of the Harry. He's got a middle initial. No, S Reed, so. whatever. I, Harry Reed. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible, right? It is. I'm supposed to know this guy? Politician, probably, right? I think so. Yeah. I, I don't even know who he is. Yeah. I don't care. Oh, okay. I'm not looking him up either. Yeah, politician. I got a politician story. I wonder if I should share that with you. Uh-oh. Share? Well, it's not really a politician story. It's a dusty story. I don't know if I should share it, though. <laughs> I love dusty stories. Okay. Come on. Okay. Story time. Okay. So, great weekend, by the way. Great weekend. Uh, got a chance to to go um, see family. I had meetings lined up with the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame. We're back, as you know, February the 4th. Thanks, everyone, for voting. So, now uh, we'll be releasing the uh, inductees, the five inductees. And, again, another uh, great uh, fundraiser for Special Olympics. We'll be announcing Special Olympics athlete to go with our or five Sacramento Sports Hall of Famers as well, coming up on December 1st. So remember that. So I got meetings for that, do that. And Dusty has wine event um, celebrating 10 years of Baker Family Wines. So that was really cool. And boy, did he look happy. He, he, he looked, you, you can tell that real, he was that he's done with baseball. And chilled. He's just like, oh, okay, let's go. Yeah, but I felt bad for him because it was a, a mob there. They had like 300 plus people at his winery. And again, I'm not a wine drinker, so of course I'm forced to drink wine when I go visit him at the winery, and so another one of the reasons why I went back this weekend so I could go to the party, and it was in the afternoon, and I didn't know how big it was going to be because when I've gone to the winery, I've told you the stories during the pandemic when he was negotiating with the Astros job, and we were like the only ones at the winery. It was pandemic time, and then I've gone back occasionally, and there'll be some people there. You know, they have a bar, it's a hangout, you know, wine tasting, all that stuff. But what has happened over the last year or so, it's become a hangout now. And people are going to hang out. And now they got they got food there with a, another place that they partnered with. So it's like, okay, this it, it, it's going to be a good time. I pull up and there's a band playing, like a 10-piece band, Inner Soul, Inner Soul. God, give those guys some love, man. Old school, they are playing. When I pull up Numchuck, you're not going to believe what they were playing. One of our songs, one of our songs that we play here on the show. Yes. A little Superman lover, Johnny Guitar Watson was playing. Cool in the Gang, Commodores, Earth, Wind, and Fire. And all these people are dancing in the parking lot. Is that some inner soul? That's inner soul? They play a little brick house. Yeah, yeah. So I pull it up and go, whoa. Homie didn't eat. He didn't spare no expense. Of course not, you know. And and so they got the band playing this and that, and it's indoor outdoor thing. And then, you know, that uh, a cupcake um, uh, stand was out there. A shout out to sugar coated cupcakes. Did I pick the right time to go to the Ooh. restroom? Okay, so. I, I'm, I'm going to the restroom, standing in line, right? And there's this beautiful lady who is standing in line there. And she has a t-shirt on that says sugar coated on it. And you know, so you can picture this, right? It says sugar coated right across the chest there. And I said, oh, waiting for the restroom, you know, how about that pickup line? Yeah. Hey, waiting for the restroom. Yeah. And then uh, I go, Oh, I go, you're sugar coated. I see. <laughs> so she smiles. She goes, yeah. And then she starts showing me the other side of the t-shirt. It's sugar-coated cupcakes. I go, yeah. She goes, I go, what are you doing here? Are you a friend of Dusty's? She goes, no, we're out here with a cupcake stand. Sugar-coated cupcakes. And I said, wow, I got to try some cupcakes. 
All right. So after that, you know, introduction in front of the restroom, I said, okay, I promise to come back and I'm going to have a sugar-coated cupcake. So of course, you know, I did, right? These are not your garden variety cupcakes. Do you know what the cup, what was so unique about the cupcakes? No. They were sugar-coated. They were sugar-coated. Okay. Made with wine. Ooh. Made with wine. So I had a, and again, okay, what do I do? Uh, what, what do I order? So it was recommended that I have the chocolate sweet Merlot cupcake with vanilla frosting. None for Numchuck? Uh, Dode, there were none left. I, okay. Six dollars for the cupcake, by the way. But I didn't mind paying. Hear that, Marco? Did not mind paying for the cupcake as I'm looking at an empty chair over there. Because <laughs> I want to support, you know? Yeah, it's family-run business, black-owned business. Support that. And uh, it, 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 was, it was great. It was fantastic. So then, um, at the end of the night, or it kind of towards the wind down, she comes over and brings Dusty like six or eight of them. Says, thank you for letting us be here and give them the cupcakes. So, of course, you know, Dusty's going, oh, what? what? Really? I said, try the chocolate Merlot. He goes, there's wine in there? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so it was good. So, anyway, had a great time. Band. Uh, but I felt bad for him because, you know, he wanted to enjoy the band. And this, that, and this is what he does. He's mingling around. It's a great party. But people are buying his wine. Baker Family Wines. They're selling them there, all that stuff, right? And so sitting there watching the band, standing next to him, glass of wine, jamming with the band, and somebody taps me on the shoulder. They go, oh, are you in line, sir? I go, I go in line? What line? So I turn around. There's like 10 people lined up because they want to d- take a selfie with him and have him autograph their bottles of wine. So, oh, I, so I just step out of the way. And of course, he spent the majority of that day autographing bottles of wine. He must have taken over 300 self, you know, pictures with people, this and that, because he never says no. He's like Asia Wilson. Those are the two best. I'm telling you, fantastic. Alicia Clark, throw her in there as well. Seven does a fantastic job. Never says no. Like she did at Finley Toyota last week, 300 plus people. So really cool. But at that time where you saw the picture, he was exhausted because I said, man, yeah. I don't know how you do it. I don't know why. Because he does that at every ballpark and everything. So, But I've seen like I've seen yeah. years of pictures of him. Yeah. This is the first time you could tell he was done with baseball. Yeah. And it was just relief. You know, like. That's, that's what you saw. That's. Well. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, yeah. That's fair. It is fair. I mean, there was yeah. a little bit of tiftiness in there from the wine, I'm sure. <laughs> but I'm just saying like. You could see in his face, his whole body. Yeah. He was just, you know, taking yeah. the picture with you. He was done with baseball. And yeah. it's just it's, not. It's chill time. It's chill time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Even like off seasons with you, uh, years, years yeah. previous. Correct. He's yeah. been, you know, still thinking baseball. Yeah. This is just, he's got his mind but 100%. But there's been those years where, remember, he had a two or three year yeah. layoff. And it was like really chill time, but then there was that itch to get back into it. But no, you're absolutely right. And then so uh, we spent the day at his house on Sunday watching the football games. And that's one of my favorite things to do is because he loves football. He loves all sports. Uh, again, could have played professional basketball if he wanted to. Uh, 
but went the baseball route. But just th- that chill time is great just to unwind and, and, and do all that. And it's great. So we, so back to the, the, the politician story. So we have a mutual friend, right? And he was at the party and he's, he's known him forever. And, um, yeah, we call him Mike the cement guy because, you know, Dusty has all these unique stories about meeting people. Well, Mike did Steve Sachs's, uh, driveway back in the day. Right. Oh, right. So getting... go, go back. Yeah. Cause all the second we're starting to guess yeah. interception. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this, this, the story, this is kind of funny though. So, um, guy said, you know, yeah, I knew the story of how, how they met. So he go, so Dusty calls Sachs and says, Hey man, I heard you have some, some work done. You know, he goes, Oh, come, come Mike, the cement guy, man. He, he, he's great. This and that, this and that. Right. So Dusty calls Mike. And Mike says, uh, goes, Hey, uh, Dusty Baker here. Um, uh, I, um, looking for cement work for, for my house. I just built a new house moving in. And Mike says, get the heck out of here. Quit pulling my leg. You're not Dusty Baker. And he hung up on him. So <laughs> like, Whoa, like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. What you did? What? He goes, yeah. So then he, he calls back. He goes, Hey man, this, this, this is Dusty. He really is. He goes, Steve Sachs gave me your number. And so, Oh. Well, we really, no. so he still didn't believe him. So then he goes, oh, come over to the house and I'll, I'll, I'll prove that I'm Dusty Baker. And let you see in my house and I, I, I want you to do the job. And he did. And he goes, it really was Dusty. <laughs> so they've been friends ever since. And then we other know other, you know, cause yeah. once you're in his circle, everybody kind of knows everybody, right? Yeah. So Iron Mike comes over to the house. Doorbell ring. There you go. Mike has a hat on. It's a Trump hat. Oh, no. You're coming over for dinner. Come over for dinner. Dusty says, hey, man, you hungry? Yeah, man. That's why I'm here. I'm here to eat. Here for dinner. He goes, take off that effing hat if you want to eat. No soup for you. <laughs> Classic. Love it. Sacramento is very divided. Yeah. Okay. Especially depends on where you live. And I really never knew that, that, you know, since I've been away for a while and stuff. But man, there is, there is a county right there, you know, that is very anti-Trump. Another county is very pro-Trump. You cross that county line, man. It's, it's, it's fighting words. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, uh, great time, great food. Um, yes, I escaped from F1. I was glad. So I did watch the race though in the hotel room because yeah. I wanted to see what it looked like. You and, wanted to have yeah. a little bit of something to talk about. I didn't understand it at all. Yeah. Cause I'm not an F1 guy, but I don't know. I mean, you tell me how was it for the weekend here? It was decent. I mean, besides the nine minute of practice in day one, you know, and they're calling yellow flags safety car. You know, and it's like all of these weird new rules okay. that, you know, like they needed to have a couple of races, you know, like they needed to have F1 for dummies. Right. Because I, well, I hardly understood anything. That's the majority yeah. of us. I'm going to say it. You know, if, if you want, want to act like you know F1, I mean, come on, man. If you do, great. Fine. But, you know, and they're saying that it's like the highest rated F1 race and on ESPN. Well, because it was Vegas. I mean, well, no, not only that. How many of these do they actually even have in the United States? Rarely, right? Yeah. I think there's two or three other tracks. Right. 
But I mean, like they said, it's the, the number one rated F1 race in Vegas, or, you know, right. it was Vegas. I get it. There's not many other races that I've ever seen on ESPN. True. Now, remember, they had an F1 race way back in the days at Caesars Palace. 84, I 89, believe. 89, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, But it was like parking lot. Exactly. You know, it wasn't on the strip. Exactly. Was, yeah. So this was a spectacle. And I, I get the winner saying, hey, this is this is more of a spectacle than anything else. We're, we're not part of that. But it came off, like I said earlier, no major accidents. That's fine. 90 minutes in and out. But I want to know for the locals that went, I mean, where'd they park? What'd they do? I want to know how packed those stands were because you couldn't really see any you of that. You couldn't see any of that TV. in the race or nothing. It's, and to me, I don't know how it came across. I didn't have the volume up really loud, but if it came across like, you know, like a NASCAR or Indy 500, a crowd's roaring. To me, it just seemed like you are racing in the middle of the night on a empty strip. Basically, it reminded me of COVID. What it was. Remember COVID? And I went and I took those pictures. Yeah. It was like the only guy in the strip in front of the sign and, yep. and it was eerie. It was so eerie. Remember talking about that? It's basically in the air? what it was. That's what it looked like on TV. I want to know, and I saw like in the pit area before. I saw Shaq down there, and Jackie Young was there. I heard. Her- so was KB. Kirsten Bell was there. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. Aces were represented. Aces that's were good. representing. I saw Brad Pitt and, and and a few others. So you know, but again, now once the race starts, they got to leave. But to me, and I could be totally wrong, but I'm just saying on TV it looked quiet. Oh, it was. Aside but from- I think that's what. Yum. I think that's what yum, 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 yum. the F1 crowd yum. is. They're quiet. I think that I think the F1 crowd was quiet because I mean, you know, they had the British, not the British, not but like the European. Oh no, 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 they had the Sky Feed. They had the Sky Feed. The sky Feed. And I kind of wish they didn't have that. Yeah, because to me that made it anti-American. Yeah. What ESPN didn't want to spend the money on production and all. Or okay, I get it. Sky had the rights to it. That's fine. But it's easy for ESPN just to pipe in. I don't know if they had to do that or not. But to me, it just showed more of everything we've talked about leading up to it, the disconnect. Yeah. The disconnect between the American audience, locals, all that stuff, by having the British guys we've never heard of before. Exactly. And, and doing with the phony terms. And how about the the post-race interview where the guy is standing there and it, it, oh, not the, even, the, it's the not even on the podium. It's the like on a bridge. The, the one on the, the – they were in the front Bellagio. of the Bellagio. What is that? It wasn't even like a, a, a stand, like – have a stage. We that was so. That was pre the podium. So that was they drove from the start finish line. Yeah. to there. I saw that, and then did that. Yeah, and then they drove the rest of the race. To get or, on the boat. The, the right. No, the rest. And then the the podiums were basically where the bands were performing in the pits. Okay. The, uh, on Wednesday, the big those big yeah. But that's that's not what the, the podium was. No, they had the, then they had to go back. They had to go back. That was silly. Yeah. I was going to say, why would they do that interview and look like on a, just a platform or something? I don't know. Not a fan. When we come back, Arash Mikazi was at the race. He was covering it. We'll get his thoughts on that. Plus, Raiders coming off the loss to Miami. And we're going to talk Chargers with him, too, because, again, he's Mr. L.A. as well, too. All right? Keep on keep it on, baby. Terrible Tuesday. Great. Great. Great music. Hello, I'm Stephanie. I'm from Germany. Yip yeah yo, Schweinebacke. When I'm in America, I'm listening to TC Martin Show.
All right, continuing on here on this Tuesday. Back out again tomorrow. Jam-packed show coming your way tomorrow. Barry Odom joins us, the head football coach at UNLV, as we get ready for UNLV San Jose State and a Rebel victory would put them in the Mountain West Conference Championship game. How far have we come with a chance to go 10-2, and Rebels 9-2, and coming off that big upset win at Air Force in Colorado Springs last Saturday. So Barry Odom will uh, join us tomorrow. Steve Berline also joins us tomorrow. One of our quarterbacks on the show. We look forward to that. Plus more names I'm forgetting, like uh, you know, also join us tomorrow. Oh, Trevor Maddich joins us tomorrow. There we go. Uh, who else you got? You know? Spritzer? No, Spritzer, yeah. he's a Thursday, but that's Thanksgiving. Frosty might be joining us tomorrow. Oh, Frosty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, as we give away more of your uh, great pa- uh, free passes to go to the Raiders Indoor Tailgate Party at Slice of Vegas inside the Mandalay Bay Shops. All you can eat for free uh, starting at 10 in the morning. We got that. And then, of course, Thursday will be off. T.C. Martin Show Songfest. So you got your jams ready. Tune that in on Thursday. And then Friday, back at the Westgate Las Vegas on our other quarterback, Jay Schrader, joins us in the house with Jay Cornegay, Marco D'Angelo, and myself as we handicap and preview another busy NFL week number 12. Games on Sunday and college football rivalry week. Can I make an executive? Friday and Saturday. Can I make an, ex- an executive decision? Executive, if you can spell Executive it. decision. Yeah. yeah. Okay, go. Let's give away three right now. Give away three right now? All right. Raider Nerd Tailgate Party. We'll put you there for free. Normally $35. All you can eat, all you can drink, beer, wine, well drinks, the taco bar, the nacho bar, the food, the pizza, the wings, tenders, great food from Slice of Vegas and Hoosongs. You want to go? Mandalay Bay Shops, FRWE. Call now, 702-221-7283. 702-221-7283. Our next guest does not need a pass. He's always welcome. My friend, Arash Mikazi. What's up, man? What's up, TC? How are you? Good, man. Feel free to come by Slice of Vegas on on uh, Sunday and and, uh, and get your groove on before the Raiders game. Well, I love that. All right, sounds good. There you Let's go. Do it. <laughs> yeah, but but there's only one condition though. All right, you All got, right. you you got to bring your lovely wife to be though, because after well, reading that you. story that uh, that you wrote, man, uh, you you had me, and I and I couldn't, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't turn away from it, man, and. If uh, you have not read that story, I think we talked about it last time you're on, didn't we, Arash? If we didn't, then I we think so. Yeah, yeah. it's a gr- it, was, it was a great piece that you wrote about how you wet your you met your wife to be. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was a pandemic, and we went to uh, Texas uh, for the uh, World Series where the Dodgers won, and uh, we ended up going back to Texas for the World Series because I made the crazy promise. Like, the World Series ever back in Texas, which I never thought it would be because the Texas Rangers were so bad. So you made, uh, you made a false go. promise is what you did because you said, hey, this is I never going to happen. I mean, you know, there's, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm a, I'll make myself look good here. Like, that's a great offer, <laughs> but it's, you know, I'm off the hook. I don't have to spend thousands of dollars on that. I know, and then I ended up having to, <laughs> to do it regardless because we went back and we went to game one and those tickets weren't cheap, but at least we uh, went and uh, we had a great time. That's awesome, brother. That's awesome. Okay, I know that you were here in Vegas for the F1 experience. I did not know that you were an F1 guy, Arash. 
Well, listen, I, you know, I think like a lot of people are, are more of a casual fan that became a fan watching Drive to Survive. So I've, you know, I, I've watched the Netflix um, episodes. I've watched all five seasons. And uh, so I've gone to a couple of races before. I was just at the one in, uh, in uh, Austin, Texas a couple of months ago. And obviously I, I went to the race here in Vegas. So the, the, the thing that I tried to do with the race in Vegas was not so much um, cover it like a race, but more the, uh, I don't know if you want to call it the pomp and the pageantry, but really just kind of like, you know, how was this event being uh, received by locals in the Strip? And so, you know, I think everyone had their own experience. I think it's a, sort of like a, a hilarious byproduct of what's happening is that you're getting pushback from people saying, no, it was amazing. And then there's other uh, people saying, no, it's not great. And, uh, Listen, I think it was a, it was kind of both, <laughs> depending on how you experienced it. I think for locals, it has a whole different meaning. Again, you know, messing up our roads for six plus months, and yeah. in the nightmare with the traffic hazards and all that other kind of stuff. And again, if you fly in, yeah, you don't mind spending, you know, five to ten thousand dollars on a room and everything else. Okay, it, it was great. I will say this, and I'm like you, I'm just the total novice F1 fan or auto racing fan in general. I thought the race came across good. It looked good on TV, fine, no major accidents. It was quick, 90 minutes. I like that, 50 laps. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. But, yeah, I don't know about the rest of it. You know, like I said, the whole John Legend thing and, and having, you know, that all that pomp and circumstance where, you know, the racers were not crazy about being paraded and being, you know, out there staying around doing nothing on a Wednesday night when the race isn't until Saturday night. Thought that was, you know, kind of a lot of show, you know, like like they said, you know, maybe 1% race, 99% show. Maybe it wasn't yeah. that type of balance. Like, But anyway, but, you know, as, as the winner of the race said, I don't know, just curious about your observations on, on, on what you personally experience, you know, with this race. And would you go back you to know, another one? I certainly would, but I mean, here's the thing. I I think that uh, that they have to do a better job of incorporating um, the fans here in Las Vegas. And I, I know Max Verstappen, the three-time champion and also the champion of the Las Vegas Grand Prix, got a lot of flack. You know, I think a lot of what he was saying was lost in translation because what he was essentially saying was, I want people to know what we're doing. I want to grow the sport. So I don't want to have this opening ceremony and these concerts and these DJs and these clubs and like people are coming and they're not really watching the race. And I went to a couple of those parties and he's, well, he, he was 100% right. They were there for the drinks and the food and the party and the DJ and everything. And like, no one was really watching what was happening on the track. I mean, I think another thing is the disruption that this has caused for Las Vegas. And you touched on it. I mean, six months of road work. And now as we're seeing it play out about two months, of takedown. I mean, that's, uh, that's more than a half a year. And so that, that can't happen going forward. We can't have the, the Las Vegas strip looking like a construction zone for um, half a year. Um, you know, because here's the thing, well, Las Vegas is such a great big event town and the Super Bowl is a great example of that where they're going to have Super Bowl week here. We're going to have parties here, events here, the game's going to go on. But that, that's not going to disrupt the Las Vegas Strip for over six months. So uh, if there's a way that they can do it where they can 
not have that take over the city for six months, that would be great. Um, a lot of the reports that I saw kind of pushing back on the tweets and the stories I had, uh, you know, and I don't want to call out names, but it's like, listen, if you stayed at the win and you drove around in like a, a uh, Austin Martin and you had a paddock club passes and you were partying with celebrities, I suspect you had a good time. That is the 1% of the people who went. The, the majority of people that, that I spoke with were at casinos off the strip. They were at different diners and establishments that saw a 90% reduction in people who went there. And I feel for them. And so if there's a way for us to kind of embrace the entire city, the entire county, the entire community, and make sure that they don't feel left out where it's just the win and Caesars and Bellagio that, that do well, that would be great. Yeah, you're right. And uh, so I would imagine, like I said, a lot of of properties uh, had basically empty restaurants or near empty and because, again, the locals couldn't go there. And that's what I was uh, afraid of. And I think, like I said, if you had this out at the Speedway, it would be embraced instead of oh, being a nightmare. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Listen, that's what I experienced in Texas where you drove out to the track. You had an amazing time. You made it affordable. Um, and then when it was over, you drove back and then you went out to eat and you, and you had a good time. I mean, I, I loved the visual of it. I thought obviously that the strip is beautiful and the track is beautiful and everything like that. If there's a way to do that without disrupting the city and the strip for over six months, great. But if that's the payoff, I don't think it's worth it. And also, TC, here's the other thing. This would have been something that I would have said, listen, Vegas has to do this if this was 10 years ago. Vegas is the center of the sports world right now. Uh, this isn't something that they have to bend over backwards to do. So we'll see how it goes. I think that, uh, you know, Thursday's practice was terrible, obviously. It got canceled and, uh, like, you know, that, that was a, the worst possible scenario. But they closed out strong. Friday was amazing. Saturday was amazing. It'll come back next year for the next two years. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. I hope it does well. Uh, Arash, real quick, where did you watch the race at? Were you in a stationary position and, and, and were you close down there? What was that loudness like if you were? It was loud, yeah. So I was at the Flamingo. I was at a uh, party there that was overlooking the track at the Flamingo. So centrally located across the street from Caesars. I, I, I think it's a fun event to go to live. One of the things that I would hope security and, uh, you know, casinos allow passersby to just enjoy the race. I saw a lot of security guards screaming at people to keep on moving. Like, these people are not disrupting your bottom line. I promise you that the, that, that, that the curious uh, fan or tourist or local, they're just trying to see what's happening. And so I, I, I wish that they would allow those folks to just kind of like enjoy it and, uh, and, and just, again, embrace the community. And I think I'm, I'm hoping they do some of that. I'm hoping they do more of that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I watched the race from, uh, the Flamingo and it, it looks and sounds great. Uh, the, the only thing is the, uh, 
is the, is how long it takes to set up and how long it takes to take down. Arash Mikazi joins us, Sporting Tribune, formerly ESPN LA Times, uh, covers everything in LA as well as Vegas. Now, Arash, you elected to come to Formula One here in Las Vegas. Now, you go, you're, you're here all the time. I mean, heck, you live here part time. I mean, come on, man. You had a chance to go to Lambeau Field over the weekend. I don't know why you didn't go see your Chargers lose to the Green Bay Packers in the beautiful confines of Lambeau Field, my friend. What were you thinking? Yeah, listen, I think there's plenty of other times I'll, I'll go to Lambeau Field. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if uh, this is particularly the one. I, I, I probably, and I know people say go experience the frozen tundra. I mean, if I go to Lambeau Field at some point in my life, and it's certainly on the list of, of places that I would love to go to at some point. It'll probably be in September. It won't be in November. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, listen, it's unfortunate that I look at the Chargers schedule. I don't know where their next win comes from. If they get blown out, if the defense looks bad again on Sunday night against Baltimore, I would be surprised if Brandon Staley's back. Um, I think the problem there is if you're Tom Telesco, if you're that, if you're that, franchise. I mean, this guy refuses to give up defensive coordinator uh, play-calling duties. So you got Kevin Moore there, not saying he's the, the permanent replacement, but at least you give him a few games, you give a few games to a new defensive coordinator and see what you can do. So Brandon Staley, obviously, he's on the hot seat now. Uh, yeah. People have been calling for his job outside of Charger land for his ridiculous, you know, fourth down decisions. And we're not hearing so much of that now. What we're hearing is, hey, what is wrong with this defense? He's supposed to be a defensive guy. And like you said, you know, he's really defending, you know, him calling the defensive uh, plays. Uh, press conference after the game, uh, after they lost to the Packers, they were, they blew a lead again, had the game and they gave it away. He went off on a reporter. Here's Brandon Stately as he was asked why he continues to keep calling the defensive plays. I have full confidence in our way of playing. Full confidence in myself as the play caller and the way that we teach and the way that we scheme. Full confidence in that. We got to bring this group together and do it consistently. Okay. And that's where it's at. So you can stop asking that question. Okay. I'm going to be calling the defenses. Okay. So we're clear. So you don't have to ask that again. All right. So there is Brandon Stately. Arash, your thoughts. And you've been in those press conferences. What's that like with this guy? I mean, it's, it's just awkward because uh, we're, we're not New York. We're not Philadelphia. We're not coming after this guy. These are legitimate questions. And he's going to continue to be asked. And if they lose, quite frankly, listen, if they get blown out or the defense looks bad against Baltimore, and by the way, worst. A p- spot to have a must-win game for Brandon Staley going up against the, the number one seed in the conference. Um, he's gonna get he's gonna get asked that. He may go off again. And to be honest, he see like, like that might be his last game only because he refuses to give up defensive coordinator play calling duties. And again, you you brought in a coach really with not without his consent, but like Kellen Moore was not his hire. I mean, they, they basically forced him to fire his best friend and Joe Lombardi and bring in Kellen Moore. So, listen, I don't think that's going to turn around the season. But I think at the very least, if they get blown out and the defense looks as bad as they have, you have to make a move at that point. And, um, and then uh, Brandon Stanley doesn't have to be worried about being asked that question again because he won't be up there anymore. <laughs> 
All right. So that's Arash's uh, commentary or thoughts on Brandon Staley. Uh, now listen to this. Rex Ryan. All right. The ever vocal Rex Ryan on the get up show this morning with Mike Greenberg. Here's a Rex had to say about Brandon Staley after hearing his press conference. What do you think of that? What do I think of that? <laughs> I think he go, should go back in Division Three football where he belongs. Look, this guy, look at his resume, man. I mean, I'm sorry. Dude comes in there, one-year coordinating a team that my wife could coach. All right, with Aaron Donald, all those guys. Stop it. He's been around like, for a long a, time. Oh, yeah. And, and, and uh, trust me, she'd do a hell of a lot better job than this guy's doing with this defense. They're the second-highest payroll in the National Football League on defense. And they're the second worst. Like, this team is atrocious. And, and you've got a Hall of Fame quarterback, dude. Ridiculous. And by the way, you're right, Neek. I mean, Jordan Love, there's still a lot of questions about this kid. Is he an NFL, you know, quarterback and all that? He looked like Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Brett Barr, Bart Starr, and all the other Packers, mm-hmm. man. Forget it. This dude. And, and you know, I'm sorry. Your job's to sit up there and answer questions. That man has a right or woman has a right to ask you any question she wants. You get paid to answer those things. All right? Handle it. The reason they're questioning you is because you're atrocious on defense. Yep. Give it to anybody else. Let somebody else coach because it ain't getting done. That's a horrendous. There it is. Arash, what do you think of that? Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, I, I, I have never heard uh, like Southern coaches go after a guy the way that they do after Brandon Staley. And I think a part of it is what Rex brought up, where, like, he hasn't paid his dues in the sense that he was, you know, a 10-year coordinator. I mean, he was a one-year coordinator, and he got this job. And I think that there's this feeling of, listen, A, he hasn't paid his dues. B, some of the play calling, the fourth down when you're back at your 20-yard line, like, makes no sense. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised at this point because we've heard it for a couple of years. And when you think back to two years ago, the way that the Chargers season came to a close here in Las Vegas, and then last year, the way that their season came to a close in Jacksonville, I think there's a lot of fans out there who were surprised that he even came back this season. And when you look at the way that this season is playing out, and again, the big thing is, Brandon Staley is the defensive coordinator. He was brought in because he's a defensive coordinator, and they put a ton of resources into making this one of, if not the most talented on paper defenses. And the fact that the defense is letting them down. That's why he's not only on the hot seat, TC, he may be coaching his final game on Sunday night. Back to D3 maybe, huh? <laughs> That's right. Well, you know what, here's the thing. I really do think that he is a good coordinator. And when I say that, like when he was with the Rams, he was good. When he was with the Chicago Bears, uh, he, he was good. Um, he's he's uh, Maybe he's not cut out to be a head coach, but he's certainly not cut out to be the head coach of this team. You got it. Raiders fall in Miami. Now Kansas City is on deck here at Elysian Stadium. I'm sure I'll see you there on Sunday, my friend. Thoughts on the Raiders after the coaching change and what you saw from the Raiders in Miami? Listen, I mean, they uh, fought against one of the best teams in the league, I think, in the Miami Dolphins on the road. I, I didn't think that that would be a win for them. I mean, they were a two-touchdown dog close to that, I think. The, this team has turned their season around. Uh, they, they believe in Antonio Pierce. They believe in what they're doing now. You, you can't really put, uh, uh, say how much that means because they had lost confidence in Josh McDaniel. So now they got the belief. And, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they pulled the upset. You know, I mean, the way that they played at home, the way the kind of Chiefs are playing right now, I mean, I, 
I think that they have a chance to win, pull the upset, and we'll see what happens. If this team can do that, the confidence it will give them to maybe make a playoff push here, I, I, I love the move. And uh, hopefully Antonio Pierce gets the opportunity, and we'll see what they do, but gets the opportunity to coach this team beyond this season. Uh, Arash, did you have some cocktails and beverages that F1 party at the Flamingo the other night? Uh, did you? <laughs> is, is that alcohol still in your have system? You, have you been watching I've, the Chiefs' offense this season? I, I, I have. It's been, it's but, been one of the like <laughs> least talked about things is this team's inability to score in the second half. And I'm like... Man, that is the easiest bet on that all year for Philadelphia. And, and by the way, it's not a, these drop passes are not a one game thing. They've been dropping passes from week one to, you know, to, to this week. So, you know, if they turn their season around, they start catching passes and they start scoring in the second half, which they have not done all year. You know, we'll, we'll see. I don't know, but uh, that's my upset pick. Oh, Las Vegas. I, can we get a food wager on this one, my friend? I mean, come on now. I mean, there's zero percent chance of that happening. <laughs> I already like have a steak dinner that I got to give you because that's I took the uh, that's right terrible bet of taking the Lakers over the number one seed Denver Nuggets. And, and when am I gonna, when am I going to get that dinner, Rosh? It's, I, it's let's a, do it. Let's go. Okay, the interest has been rising there since uh, I know you know since uh, what into May, but that's okay. Yes, I know. All right, I know. So now now here's what we're gonna do my friend we're going to uh now that the f1 is gone and we can get back hopefully our las vegas trip we can go over to the cosmopolitan the blue ribbon introduce you to my guys over oh, there and, and of course you can pay the check how's that is that good i like that all right let's do it let's, let's do it we're doing it there it is but yes uh kansas city to lose again two two in a row and especially the <laughs> mahomes magic against what the rate against the raiders in the past yeah, it's just kind of like Buffalo. A lot of people were saying, oh, maybe the Jets last week. I go, no, no, Buffalo is going to smoke these guys. Josh Allen is not going to be horrendous <laughs> again. And so I, I think it's a great spot for the Chiefs in this one, my friend. But we'll see. And we'll be watching the well, game by together. By the way, I mean, the Chiefs should win. And by the way, Patrick Mahomes has been playing amazing. The balls are going into the hands of the receivers. The receivers just can't catch the pass. Right now for whatever reason. It's true. It's true. My friend, I appreciate it. Go ahead and plug away, man, where people can find you. TheSportingTribune.com. We got uh, great stories. Uh, we'll be out uh, at the game Sunday. I'll be there. Steve Carp will be there. So uh, thanks, as always, for um, having me, my friend. No, look forward to it, man. And I look more forward to sitting down and breaking some bread with you. At your, at, your, at your expense. I know. I keep <laughs> reminding me, yes, at my expense. <laughs> He's going to be getting texts from me like every other day now. I know, I know. I'm giving you bad time, brother. All right, man. Hey, appreciate it. Great stuff as uh, as always, my friend. And hopefully, you can get that uh, you know that sound out of your ear of the. the <laughs> yum, yum, yum. Wait, wait, what else to say? Give him, give him your yeah. your sound. That's a yum, yum, yum. That's my that's my thing now. I'm gonna you know start uh, copywriting my auto racing sounds. <laughs> my voice is shot. Right. Take care, brother. Arash Mikazi, the Sporting Tribune. Appreciate him joining us today, as well as Ken Korak. Ken Korak, finalist for the Ford C Frick Award. That's for baseball broadcasting excellence. Uh, and the longtime voice of the A's. You didn't miss any of those interviews, any part of the show, the Terrible Tuesday takes. Go check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. Back at it tomorrow. Jam-packed show coming your way tomorrow. Make sure you join us on Thanksgiving Day Eve. What's that?
day. You like the way I said that? Because the show is during the day, so that's why it has to be Eve Day. All right? Barry Odom will join us tomorrow. Trevor Maddich, Steve Berline, going to be great. Thursday, take the day off. Song Show Fest. That's what we'll be doing for two hours. And then Friday back at the Westgate. Sunday, Allegiant Stadium. Saturday, Allegiant Stadium. Look at that. We just got lined up. We got Rebels, San Jose State, Mountain West, Conference Championship implications there, and Raiders Chiefs Sunday. What what a week. Gotta love it. All right? We will talk to you tomorrow at 2.